Welcome back to all our listeners. And this is your host, Mahal. And today we have another special guest. And he's a poet, storyteller, and he wrote and published 22 books. And I'm talking to Mr. Branch Isoe. How are you, sir? Good morning, Mahal. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for being part of our show for for today. And can you say, besides the stuff that I said, I'm sure I missed a lot, can you say a little bit more to our listeners about you? Sure. Thank you for asking. I grew up in the 50s and 60s, had a pretty average childhood. After college, I went to work in corporate America for some large companies did that for about 15 years, um, came a little, a little bit dis- disillusioned with the ways of the world and, and, you know, the way I was behaving and responding. So I left the corporate world and spent uh, many years sort of traveling and trying to rediscover more about myself and my place in the world. After that, I got onto a spiritual path. And for the last 40 years, I've been, you know, walking more of a spiritual path and trying to be a better person in my worldly life by practicing spirituality. About 20 years ago, I started writing, and now 22 books later, I'm still writing. So that's the the thumbnail sketch. So what made you start writing? What inspired you to write? Well, well, my first book, I was motivated to write it um, having been exposed to Christianity but not been an active Christian. I was well aware of some of the reasons that people fall away from Christianity. So my first book was motivated by that thought of, uh, you know, how, how to help people who are seekers and searchers and fallen away Christians. And so that was the premise and the idea bef- behind my first book. After that, I started writing fiction books um, with short stories and poetry, uh, lessons of life kind of ideas. Of all the books that you wrote, what is your favorite and why? <laughs> it's probably hard out uh, my, all those books. Well, that's an interesting question. My favorite is my next book, the one that's coming. Um, you know, as a writer, after doing it for 20 plus years, hopefully not only growing as a person, but I also grow as a writer. And, you know, with that desire in mind, I'm always anticipating that hopefully my next book will be, you know, better than the previous book. So I always say, you know, my favorite book is the one that hasn't come out yet. That's a good answer. Yes. Um, my friend Annette and I this month are talking about salvation because of Easter. So my question for you is, when was the very first time you encountered Jesus in your life? Wow, that's a great question because 
you know, as a child growing up in a Christian home, but not an active Christian home, I was aware of Jesus. Um, I was exposed to Jesus, but I never really had encountered him, you know, as a child or as a young man. Um, like many individuals, my focus and my goals were on myself, you know, and, and where I was going in my life. And Jesus didn't didn't play much of a role until my adulthood, after I left my corporate world experience and decided I had to change my life, my first inclination was to search for truth. And that led me to some Eastern religions and belief systems and philosophies. And that experience led me back to Christianity. So I really didn't encounter Jesus again until midlife, until I was, you know, starting my 40s. And that's when I had, you know, some experiences that really sparked me with that renewed interest in knowing more about Jesus, who he was, why he came, and what did he have to do with my life. And my question is, do you still remember when, when was that time that you decided to accept him as your personal savior? And why did you make that decision? Wow. Well, that's quite a story. I had, I had experienced, I had experienced an epiphany. One night I had got up in the middle of the night and I was living alone. And as I was walking from one room to another room, a voice in my living room called out to my name. And I was so startled by what happened that I simply turned around and said, what? And that sort of shook me awake. And knowing there was nobody in the other room, it was quite a shock. But I knew that at that moment, you know, I had encountered uh, the Spirit of the Lord. So that was, you know, the changing moment for me when I recognized that my life really needed to go in a different direction. And that's when I encountered Christ. Now, like a lot of people who encounter the Lord, I really didn't know what to do with that information. So it was a number of years before, you know, I came to the understanding that my new commission and my new service was to be for the Lord and not for myself. Wow, that's really interesting. And I love that story. That's a really good one and that you actually heard it and you know, made you turn to Jesus. And I remember that you, oh, my question is, what can you say to people? How how should they renew their relationship with Christ? You know, some people might have known him and became a Christian and they backslide. What, what advice do, can you give to those people? There's a, you know, one of the things difficult for non-believers who are testing the waters of Christianity, and one of the things that's difficult for Christians who are trying to walk the path, you know, we are all 
pulled by the world and the things of the world. <clears throat> we live in the world and those are the things that we are most familiar with. Our spirituality and our spiritual grounding is something that we actually have to go after. We've got to make an effort. And I think that a lot of times the church <clears throat> tries to make things more difficult than, than is necessary. And that's by design. That's a whole other issue to take up about the church. But I have people who come to me and ask, you know, what are the simple steps that I can take to initiate or have a relationship with Christ? So in my studies, I've, I've brought about a list of five scriptures that I like to share with people because these five scriptures will help somebody start a relationship with Christ, use his spiritual power in their life, when they face challenges and storms and will also set them on that path of salvation. So let me go through those real quickly. First of all, as a Christian wishing to, you know, have more of a relationship with the Lord or start a relationship or renew a relationship, we've got to surrender to the fact that stated in John 14, 6, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The second thing we need to do is literally invite Jesus into our lives. And we're, that's described in Matthew 7, you know, ask, seek, and knock. So we invite Jesus to come into our lives. <laughs> and when we do that, he sends his spirit to abide with ours. So when we accept his spirit, which is described in John 14, verse 16 and 26, Jesus sends his spirit, the same spirit that lives within him and within God the Father, he sends his spirit to dwell with our spirit, to unlock our spiritual strength. So now that we have his spirit, in John 16, 13, he tells us, whenever you face a challenge, whenever you face a storm in your life, whenever you face an important decision where you have to make a choice between what God would have us do and what we would do for ourselves, we ask the question, what would Jesus do in this situation that I now find myself what would Jesus do? How would he respond? And when we ask that question, he says he'll send his spirit, which is living with our spirit, to guide us and instruct us and to counsel us. So we have a, a way to now use his spiritual strength to face the challenges or the storms in our life. And last, I always encourage people, either start today or before you take your last breath, you want to read and understand Romans 10, verses 9, 10, 13, and 17. And if you'll use those five scriptures, it will give you the way to start a relationship with Jesus 
and through him with God the Father. It will allow you to have his spirit actually dwelling within you and thereby to use his spiritual strength to face the difficulties that life presents to you and me in tests and trials and tribulations. And finally, our way to reconnect with him, understanding that our salvation is described in the Roman verses 10, 9, 10, 13, and 17. Thank you so much. Those are a lot of really good advices and verses that you shared with us. And yeah, it's true. Most of the time, you know, us people think more about ourselves and we don't even think like, what would Jesus do or what would God do? And no, you did answer that. And my next question is, why do you think it's important for us Christians to share salvation and share Jesus to others? Wow, interesting question. Because those of us who are called, like you and I, who are trying to share the word, um, that's our commission. When we're called to service and we accept that call, that challenge, that commission, then our job as a servant of Christ is to share what salvation is, why it's important, and how people can get on that path of salvation. For, for Christians in general who don't have that particular calling of service, um, their job is to do what Jesus says in Matthew 22, 37, love God first and most and treat your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, and, and the average Christian, the Christian who's, you know, walking the path of the world and their Christianity that's their job, is to love Christ and love God first and most, and then treat everybody the way we want to be treated. You know, he tells us on these two commands, hang all the laws and the prophets, which means all of the prophet sayings and words, and all of religion's laws and codices actually boil down to those two things. So that's the job of the average Christian. And in that job, they will find peace and a reduction of stress and struggle and conflict in their life and be able to find that path of salvation uh, where Jesus is active in their lives, just as he's active in our lives who've been called into service. Thank you so much. And my next question is for the new Christian how do you, how, what's your advice? How, do, how should they understand the Bible without reading the entire book? Or where should they start? Another great question. People always ask me, you know, I try to read the Bible and it's, it's just too difficult. There's, there's places and names and, and things that I can't pronounce and I don't know and I can't relate to, you know, but I want to learn more. I want to know what the Bible says. So I always suggest this is the easiest way I have found. Number one, get yourself a red letter edition. That's any New Testament book that has the words of Christ in red letters. 
Start at Matthew, and what you're going to do is you're going to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel books, but you're only going to read the red letters. Just start at Matthew, and the first verse that you come to that's in red letters, that's what you read, and then you skip to the next red letter section. And you'll be able to quickly get through all four books. <laughs> you'll just be reading the words that Christ had to share and say and teach to the people of his day. But all of those apply to the people of our day. And what it will do is give you a foundation where you can start a relationship with Jesus just by reading his words. It may seem like, you know, you're going to miss something, but the reality is you won't miss any of the important things that he has to say in his lessons and his teachings. So if you'll just read the red letter section, you'll have the foundation that you need to have that relationship. Now, if you want to go on further, I always suggest the next thing you do is you read just the book of John, the fourth gospel book, because his book, unlike the other three, which detail a lot of Christ's teaching and missionary work when he was on the earth, the book of John details for us how we have a personal relationship with God through Christ, and it will lay the foundation to, to show you who Jesus was, why he came, and why you want to have a relationship with him. So by reading the red letters and then by reading the book of John, you'll have all the information you need to have a relationship with Christ. Now, if you want to go further beyond that, then I always suggest people read the book of Hebrews, the book of Romans, because these two describe what people in his day and after his resurrection were going through in their lives and the teachings of Paul. And what you find in those two books is we are going through the same kinds of issues and lessons and troubles that those people went through. So the letters in those two books help us to understand that relationship that we have with God while actually living in the world. Wow, thank you. That's really interesting because I've never even thought of just going to read all of the red the red letters that highlighted there and I think I'll probably do that too. Because of your advice, I'll check that out too and reread it myself because that's yeah. an interesting and I read that you said something about acquiring spiritual grounding. What is that? I've never heard that term before. Well, you know, I believe that as creations of God, God is the creator of the universe, and he is spirit. So if we were created by him and in his image, then we are also in our original essence, spirit. We're a spiritual energy unit. When we're born, there's four cornerstones of, of our existence. That would be mind, body, soul, and spirit. And because our spirit comes from God, 
we automatically know the concept of right and wrong. That is part of our innate creation. And as we grow in our society, we see that concept of right versus wrong applied and reinforced through all of our legal systems and our laws. You know, in the world, right and wrong basically becomes reward and punishment. That's not what God's intent was. God's intent is the moral and ethical aspects of right and wrong. But as humans, our spirit is confined to our soul as an acknowledgement of right and wrong or reward or punishment. We're, we have a spirit, but it's not grounded in anything beyond our application of our legal system. When we invite Jesus into our lives, like I said in Matthew, and when he sends his spirit to be with us in the verses that we said in John, his spirit awakens or sparks to life our spirit. We now know the reasons why beyond right and wrong. That is, we now have an acknowledgement of truth and we start to understand the moral and ethical implications of right and wrong. So we get spiritually grounded when Jesus imparts to us or sends his spirit to be with ours. What that does is we, it allows us to take the blinders off and see the truth both in the world and the truth in our own lives. And so that's what spiritual grounding is, is getting that connection, reestablishing that connection with God through the spirit of Jesus Christ. And once we're spiritually grounded and we've got Christ's spirit within us, then we can call upon his spirit anytime we need it to help us through the challenges and the tests that we face in life. And, and that's the, the concept of what would Jesus do in this situation. And his spirit will answer us and show us what the future holds when we have to make that choice or decision. Thank you so much. And that, that's a really good one that you shared with us. And I also have one more, two more questions. And my question right. is, what did you notice is the difference between your life before Christ and after you accepted him? Well, you know, anyone who has, has made that jump, who has gone from the world's path to the spiritual path, especially with uh, Jesus as part of your spiritual path, automatically recognizes the differences in their life when they were of the world. You know, when, when we're of the world, then it's the things of the world that we crave. And it's the things of the world, you know, that we aspire to have and to be. And as long as we're of the world, then we are part of the world. And if we're part of the world, then we're part of the stress and the struggle and the conflicts 
of the world because that's where our focus is. When we get spiritually grounded, we begin to see the truth in the world and in our lives. And once we see the truth, we also recognize the fallacies and the lies and the fabrications. We now know truth from lies. And when you have the truth, then your desire becomes the truth and you abandon or turn your back on the things that are not true. You see the world for what it is. And it's the design of the world is to keep you trapped, to keep you enslaved in this constant stress and struggle and striving for things of the world, which you don't have, but you think by having them, your, your life will be better and your world will be more. And the fact of the matter is, it's just more stress and struggle and conflict because that's what we identify with. We dig ourselves a hole and rather than getting out of that hole, we just keep digging deeper, thinking that's the escape route. Thank you. And yes, I agree. And it says several times that once you, you were in Christ, you were in Christ, you are in the world, but you're not of you know, the world. That basically, and you, we cannot serve two master. you know, you cannot save the world and God. You have to choose one. And as part of being a children of God, we have to do what is of that and not what the world expects because that's two different things. And my question also is for some people that are listening that are not saved, what advice should you give them why they should accept the free gift of salvation that Christ gave to us? You know, as a parent, the, the one thing that I long for and want is to, you know, spend eternity surrounded by my children and the people that I love and care for. And as a believer, and as a believer of the Word of God, I know and anticipate what my existence will be after this life. To not have the people that I love and care about in this life, to have them not be with me in the next life, in the hereafter, you know, literally breaks my heart. So I would say to people, you know, if you're a believer and you want to be with those people that you love after this life, it's incumbent upon you to share with them what salvation is all about. It hurts me to have people declare how much they love their family, and yet the possibility of not being with them forever is such an easy thing to fix, and yet so many people are not on that path. Thank you so much. And one more question. I think it's one more question. So we talk about salvation is also going to our next topic that we will be talking about for the coming month is baptism so after being saved we have to go find a church and be baptized my question is what is the importance of salvation like somebody that's just listening and hear you talk about the testimony and advice and we know that the next step after being 
being saved is being baptized. Why is it important for them, for the new believers, that they get baptized? And what does that mean? In John 3, Jesus describes the purpose of baptism. You know, this is an interesting question because a lot of Christians believe that when they're baptized as infants, that's all that's necessary. <laughs> Jesus tells us that in chapter 3 of John that we need to be baptized by water, but we also need to be baptized by fire. That is, our soul for salvation needs to be refined by the fire of his love and his spirit. So when we're baptized into the Christian faith as children, we go through a water baptism. That ceremony is simply the, the church accepting us as a new member and our parents declaring us to be a new member you know, of that organization because that's part of their belief. The fact is, Jesus tells us, he, to enter the kingdom of God, we need to be born again. And to be born again, we have to be baptized again by water as an adult. You know, we, for, for us as Christians, we go from milk to meat. That means we go from immaturity of knowing about Jesus to maturity about knowing about Jesus. And in that transition, we need to be baptized again as, a, as an adult, as a now-knowing adult, now that we understand you know, who Jesus was, what his relationship to God is, and the whole structure of belief and spiritual grounding. So we need to be baptized to be brought into the faith as a child, but we need to voluntarily be baptized as an adult, declaring that we now understand, you know, our place as a Christian. But the actual ceremony is, a, is an outward expression of our inward desire to be a child of Christ. You know, it, it's showing the world that this is our new choice, our new commitment is to be... Uh, recreated in the image and spirituality of Jesus. So we go through the baptism ceremony to show the world that this is our new choice, that we are becoming a new creation in Christ. We do it for ourselves so that when we leave this earth, when we die, our spirit in its new resurrected form will be baptized by the fire of Christ's love. We will be purified so that we can stand in the presence of God, the Father and Spirit. Thank you so much. And I know all of our listeners have been very blessed and inspired with all of the wisdom that you have shared with us. And before we say goodbye, can you tell our viewers what website that they could go to and the title of your book so that they could purchase it, I guess, at Amazon and the bookstores? Sure. Thank you, Mahal. I appreciate that. Um, the easiest way to find me is just to Google my name, Branch, like a tree, Isole, I-S-O-L-E, 
Um, I'm the only one, so you don't have to go through a lot of pages. If you put my name in the Google, it'll show up with all of my links to my website, to my books, to my YouTube channel, um, all of the things that you might want to find. So that's the easiest way to do it. Thank you so much. And we'll also put the link for our viewers in our episode. And we appreciate having you as our guests for today. Thank you. And I hope you have a nice day. Thank you, Mahal. I appreciate your time. Blessings to all of your listeners. Thank you. And to all our listeners, thank you for taking the time to listen to another episode. And I hope that you are blessed after listening to what you hear. And like what we always say, if you haven't made that decision, I hope that through Mr. Branch's word, that you will make that best decision of your life and accept Christ as your personal Savior. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, and always remember, come to Jesus daily and stay blessed. Take care. All your pain will be made mine. All your trouble tears you cry give it up all the binds I will place it on my shoulders and up this hill I'll climb Father give me strength I know there is no other way so I lay down my life for This is the moment when all will be made new I know that you don't understand But this is part of a greater plan I laid down my life for you This is love that had to bleed Bring you mercy, set you free. You are mine, I am yours. And I will wear your burdens just like this crown of thorns. I will take your place. I know there is no other way. Give me all your
your pride, give me all your fears, give me all your secrets and all your tears, give me all your doubts, give me all your shame, watch them wash away, watch them wash away, give me all your pride, give me all your fears, give me all your secrets and all your tears, give me all your doubts, give me all your shame, watch them wash away in Jesus' name. Free. 